This podcast is made possible by the Finding Peace Retreat. The Finding Peace Retreat is a four-day intensive experiential training based on the Amazon best-selling book, Finding Peace. The weekend creates a place of healing for individuals with past wounds of loss, rejection, neglect, abandonment, betrayal, and abuse who are looking for a greater joy, happier relationships, and deeper fulfillment in their lives. Whether you're just becoming aware of how these wounds may have impacted your life or are exhausted with the constant cycle of trying to do your best and still feeling like a failure, the Finding Peace Retreat will give you the skills to heal from the past, change the internal messages that drive your feelings of shame, and develop mindful, compassionate habits leading to greater contentment and peace. For more information, go to findingpeaceacademy.com forward slash finding hyphen peace hyphen retreat. We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. Matt and I are about 12 years old. I'm standing over a cliff, looking straight down. The bottom is about 50 feet below me, and the ledge that I'm standing on, there's maybe 10 square feet total. There's water coming out of the side of the rock, and so the ground is wet, it's mushy, mossy, kind of this mushy, mossy feeling that I'm stepping on. And behind me, there's another cliff, the one that I just climbed down, and it's about 10 feet high. I'm standing there with my friend Matt, and we are stuck. How in the world did we even get in this mess? I'm freaking out. We are going to die. Our parents have no idea where we are. I can see my house from where we're standing. It looks like a little toy house. My parents' old sedan is parked in front of my house, and it looks like a matchbox car. This is way before cell phones have ever been created. There is no way to let anyone know that we are stuck on this ledge. I know that we're going to die. I have these images of us being skeletons, and some years later, a hiker happens to walk by, and he finds these two little boys' skeletons stuck on this cliff. We scream for help. No one can hear us. What in the world are we going to do? We try to climb up the wall that we just climbed down, but like I said, it's 10 feet tall, and we are 12 years old, and although Matt is a lot taller than I am, we're not really climbing up this wall very well. How did we get here? Truthfully, I can't remember. It was probably my idea, I gotta confess. Matt and I used to hike all over the mountain foothills that were right behind our houses. We loved exploring. We could climb up to the top of the mountain peaks above our house, and we could look over the entire valley, and it was beautiful. We could see higher mountains along the range, and I would always wonder what it would be like to climb one of those. And so on this particular day, we had just been exploring. It was a Saturday morning sometime. We had been exploring, walking around, looking at stuff, and we thought it would be cool to climb to the top of the mountain, and so we did. We reached the top, and it took a while, and we were little kids, and 
I'm guessing that it was my idea to see whether there was an easier or faster way down. And thinking about it right now, there would definitely was a faster and easier way down falling, but that's not necessarily what I had in mind. And so we decided to climb down the mountain, straight down the front of the mountain to see if that would help us get down faster. And it was working pretty well. We were making some progress until we got stuck on this ledge. Looking over the ledge, I knew that if we got, went any further, we were going to slip and we were going to fall and we were going to die. Staying on the ledge was going to be equally lethal because we were going to, there was no food. We didn't bring any water. The sun is super hot. So the only way out of this thing is to try and climb back up the cliff. And both of us are too short. So what in the world are we going to do? I just, I had these nightmare fantasies in my brain. Like how I, I even think about it today. Like what will we have done? How in the heck are we going to get off of this cliff? Uh, a helicopter? How are they going to know? We are screaming for help. No one's around. It was, it was a terrifying experience. James Allen, in his book, As a Man Thinketh, says, A man only begins to be a man when he ceases to whine and revile and commences to search for the hidden justice which regulates his life. And he adapts his mind to that regulating factor. He ceases to accuse others as the cause of his condition and builds himself up in strong and noble thoughts, ceases to kick against the circumstances but begins to use them as aids to his more rapid progress and as a means of the hidden powers and possibilities within himself. He starts out, A child becomes a grown-up when he ceases to whine and complain about the situation that he was in. Now, my friend and I are stuck on this cliff. We could have whined and complained about what was going on with us on this cliff. We could have whined and complained about it that was not going to get us out of the predicament that we were in. It just wasn't going to work. We could have whined and complained all day long, and eventually we would have dehydrated, maybe passed out. I don't know what we would have done, but whining and complaining wasn't going to fix our situation. James Allen continues. He says, We cease to accuse others uh, as the cause of our condition and begins to figure out how to solve this problem. I don't remember me blaming my friend, and I don't remember Matt blaming me either, but I, it, it is a possibility, and I see it every day as a therapist. There's a lot of blame that tends to go around. We want to blame other people for our circumstances. We want to blame our parents or our growing up circumstances for why our life is horrible today, and I could have blamed him and blamed him for it's his fault that we got stuck on this ledge. He could have blamed me. But again, none of that really solves the problem that we're stuck on a ledge. We are stuck on a cliff and there is really no way to get off of this cliff. Blaming's not going to help. Whining's not going to help. I could have also gone into shame. I, should, I could have shamed myself and beat myself up. And I think that's what James Allen means when he says we can kick against the circumstances. I can go into the shame place and I can beat myself up. I can say, 
oh, why did I do this? I'm so dumb. I wasn't thinking. I always make mistakes like this. These are those shadows of shame that show up. You know, my judge and my impotent one totally could have been standing on the, the cliff next to me saying, dude, you are so dumb. I can't believe that you even thought that this was a good idea. And now look at you. You're just going to die. And the impotent one is like, yeah, you're stuck here forever. There's nothing you're going to do. You're never going to get out of the situation. It's going to be horrible. I, I could have gotten sucked into a shame place. And that still wouldn't have gotten me off of the cliff. It wouldn't have helped us get off the cliff. So what are we going to do? And that is the challenge that a lot of us are struggling with. What are we going to do? How are we going to get out? So I talk a lot about attachment wounds of loss, rejection, neglect, abandonment, betrayal, and abuse. And those are real. They really are real. They hurt and they're raw and they can get rubbed a lot sometimes. The question, though, is not, it's not really about whether or not they happened because they did. Those wounds happen. It's, what are we going to do about it? These wounds are like me and Matt being stuck on the cliff. We're stuck there. What are we going to do? We have to do something about it because if we don't, we are going to die. We are going to die spiritually. We're going to die emotionally. We're going to die physically if we don't do something about these wounds. But blaming doesn't get me out of the situation. Blaming my bullies for bullying me and rejecting me and blaming parents or whatever for abandonment or rejection or neglect doesn't solve the fact that I am now stuck on this cliff. It doesn't get me out of there. So I have to do something different. Because otherwise I'm just going to be stuck. Whining about it doesn't do any good. Playing the victim doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't help me heal the wound. It doesn't help me move forward. All it does is keep me stuck. The only way out of this situation is reaching out, whether that's reaching out for help and having somebody else help us get off the cliff, or me reaching to my friend and saying, can we work together? Can we figure out how we're going to get off the cliff? That's really the only way, is reaching out and forming a connection with someone else to be able to do that. And eventually, that's what we did. Matt was a little taller than me, and I was a lot lighter than him. And so he was able to push me up, and I was able to reach over to the top of the cliff edge and I was able to scramble back up and then I was able to go and look for some sticks or something and lay down flat on the ground and I honestly don't remember quite exactly how this works but we got off the mountain because it's evidence because I'm talking to you right now on this podcast we got off the mountain but I was able to reach down and then he was able to pull himself up climbing up the stick that I had reached over and we were able to get off this cliff and we decided that we were going to go back down the normal way. We were going to go down the safe way and we made a home and everything worked out. But that's really how we also have to work through these wounds. We can't, we can sit and whine and complain about it or we can reach out. We can tell people that we need help. We can share with others that we need attention. We need support. We need someone to listen to us. Uh, we need advice. We need acceptance. We need kindness. We can share 
that with other people. And as we do that, as we're vulnerable and we reach out, chances are that person is going to be able to help us or is going to be honest with us and say, hey, you know, I would love to help you, but I'm not in a position where I can do that right now. But here's some other things that might be able to be helpful. And we're able to find ourselves out of the situation. We don't have to wallow in the pain and in that mushy, mossy, sticky place thinking that we're going to die and this is going to be the end. As I think about this scenario, I, I often work with couples and they get into the same predicament. They're in a relationship where they're unhappy. Things are not going where they want them to go in the relationship and they can go into a sense of blame blaming the other person for why the relationship is not working, pointing out all the flaws and problems that the other person has engaged in that make this relationship a challenge. And the truth is the partner may have engaged in behaviors that have stirred up or created betrayal wounds, rejection wounds, abandonment wounds, neglect wounds. That is possibility. But the blaming and the taking the victim stancing kind of method is the equivalent of these two people being stuck on a cliff and wanting to blame each other for the fact that they're stuck rather than saying how can we work together to be able to get unstuck what can we do to be able to work together and find a way to heal those wounds together to connect with each other in healthy and happy ways so that these wounds can actually heal and we can play together and we can have fun together rather than just standing there, whining, letting our shadows of shame hijack our relationships and making us feel completely powerless and alone. I guess the bottom line is that in the end, these are your wounds. You may not have caused them. You may not have been the one who created them, but they're your wounds. And so you are the one who has to be responsible for what you're going to do about them. And do you want to take responsibility and go get them healed? Do you want to help them? get better? Do you want to do the wound care necessary? Do you want to practice vulnerability and reach out and ask for your needs to get met? Do you want to practice empathy when someone is sharing their wounds with you and, and practice compassion? Or do you want to stay stuck on the cliff and just wonder how much longer you're going to be stuck here and hope that maybe somebody will come by and rescue you? What do you want? It's question time. Today's question has been submitted by my good friend, Tony. Tony says, how is codependency related to childhood trauma? Tony, that is an excellent question. So I have to tell you, first of all, that codependency has been a term that has been used for, for decades, and it was primarily shown up in the addiction community, particularly in the alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous and Codependence Anonymous community. That language has been around for, for several decades. Some pretty amazing therapists have written some books on codependency as part of that. But lately there has been a shift in the momentum of codependency. Rob Weiss is one of the therapists who is pushing this new trend. It, He's written a book on pro-dependence. Kim Buck, one of my really dear friends up in Phoenix, is the therapist who's doing research on pro-dependence. And pro-dependence basically celebrates the human need for and the pursuit of intimate connections. 
that's the premise on which I operate. My book, Finding Peace, is all about wanting to repair those attachment wounds and be connected. So childhood trauma creates those wounds. Childhood trauma oftentimes creates the wounds of abuse, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, neglect, loss. That is oftentimes where these wounds are created. Some of these wounds are created a little bit later in life when we're teenagers or even into adulthood. But the ACE study talks a lot about the the way that if we grew up in an adverse childhood home where we had adverse childhood experiences, that creates these wounds that then can have effects on our financial status, our educational status, our, su- our success in uh, raising intact families. It has, has profound effects on what happens to us later on in life. So the first part of your question of how is codependency related to childhood trauma is to recognize that there is childhood trauma. And those wounds that I talked about, loss, rejection, abandonment, those are the, the wounds that we're talking about. The pro-dependence model that Rob Weiss and Kim Buck and others have, have talked about is that we are wired as human beings to be connected. That's how we are designed. You think about it neurologically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, we are wired to be connected to one another. We weren't put on a planet with 8 billion other people so that we could do everything by ourselves. In fact, the more that I look at just how intricately connected we are in this world, it really blows my mind that things that I'm doing can have an effect on somebody on the other side of the planet. Uh, Whether that's me just throwing a plastic bottle and not recycling it can have profound effects. That bottle could somehow end up in the ocean uh, it, it just the connections just mind blowing, and I I can't even really begin to to talk about that because it's just so heavy for me. But we're wired for connection; we crave it. What we want is we want the people in our lives to be healthy. They can be there for us. They can spend time with us. They can pay attention to us. They can validate that we matter. And we want to be able to do the same for them. We want to be able to validate for them that they matter, that they're important. We want to spend time with them. We want to help them know that we love them, that we're grateful for them. We, we want that. And what codependency does with that, that mentality is that there's something wrong with you if your partner has an addiction. And you, you are just as sick as your, the partner or the loved one who has an addiction. That's in a just what codependency is saying. And so you need to work on yourself and you need to get well and you need to realize that you don't have a lot of control over what that person is doing. So there are some def- definite truths about that. Like you don't have any control over what the other person is doing. But what I love about Rob Weiss's work is that prodependence says there's nothing wrong with wanting to be connected. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a healthy relationship with somebody else. There's nothing wrong with that. And if the other person can overcome their addiction or the other person can work through some of their own wounds and I can do the same for me, then we can have a mutually beneficial strength-based, whole, connected relationship. And we can learn how to support each other even if addiction is in the picture. We can learn how to do that. And so prodependence takes a lot of the aspects of codependence 
and, and takes out the stigma that says there's something wrong with you. There's still a very important part of we need to have boundaries. We need to know that we are worthy of love and belonging regardless of what the other person is doing in their life. We need to be able to to know that there are certain things that we can't tolerate and that we're not going to be able to put up with anymore, that there are lines in the sand that we can draw. But there isn't something wrong with me because I want to have a connection with this person because I love this person or I used to love this person. To answer your question, how is codependency related to childhood trauma? The part about the dependency is the word. And whether we're saying pro-dependent or codependent, the, the, the dependency is the word that's related to childhood trauma. I need you to help me fill up my love and belonging tank. I can't fill my love and belonging tank up all by myself. I need others to help me feel loved. I need others to help me feel validated. I need others to help me feel important. The challenge is if I put all of that responsibility on one other person and say, you are 100% responsible for filling up my love and belonging tank. Well, that is a recipe for failure because this person has wounds too. This person's love and belonging tank is probably depleted as well. And so if I put all the expectation on this one person to fill up my love and belonging tank, that's not going to work out for either of us. And in fact, I'm going to feel probably resentful and angry and bitter because they're not stepping up and doing everything that I need them to do. And that's the same as when I'm stuck on the cliff and wanting to blame the other person and wanting to say, well, it's your fault that I'm stuck on this cliff and it's your fault that I'm here and you should change and you need to do what you need to do. That, that doesn't help, doesn't make it any better. What I'm longing for is connection. And that is what's related to these childhood traumas. I'm really wanting someone to just say, look, I see you. You're worthy of love and belonging. You're worthy of my time. I want to treat you kindly and with respect and with dignity. You didn't deserve to be treated that way. And if I've behaved in a way that's caused that pain and suffering, I want to apologize and I want to stop behaving that way. I want to behave in a way that is healthy for me and healthy for you. So hopefully that, that answers the question of how those are related. The trauma really is what perpetuates us to want to reach out and get those healed. Now we can do the different. We can do the opposite. We can totally wall ourselves up and hide in prison and not reach out to anybody and be stuck in there like I was on the cliff. That's not going to help us heal, though. And so it's that dependency, that willingness to, to lean on and reach out to someone else and say, hey, I can't do this all by myself. Can I depend on you to be there for me? That's part of how healing happens. And uh, Stephen R. Covey, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, talked about this concept in the 1980s. He, he talked about how, as children, we are fully dependent on our parents. We don't have the ability to go out and buy groceries and buy our clothes and all of that. We're fully dependent on, on our parents. And then as we become teenagers, we want to separate from and become fully independent. We don't want to depend on anybody. We want to do everything all by ourselves. And then as we begin to mature even further, we realize that we are interdependent. We really are connected to other people. And there's a part of me that needs to be independent and needs to be able to do things by myself. And there is a part of me that is dependent I need other people in my life, and it's this balance. 
And it really goes back to James Allen's quote that says, a man only begins to be a man or a child only begins to grow up and become an adult when he or she ceases to whine and revile and commences to search for the things that are going to help me have balance in my life. As we cease to accuse other people for the cause of the problems that we are facing in our life and we begin to build ourselves up with strong and noble thoughts and we begin to reach out to other people and find that I have hidden power within myself, hidden possibilities within myself, and so do you. And maybe we can work together to heal ourselves, our relationships, and ultimately the planet. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If we added value to your life, let us know or give us a rating. Before you go, subscribe to the show and get new episodes as soon as they are published. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. And don't forget to grab your free copy of the Amazon best-selling book, The Art of Peace, by going to www.troyllove.com. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.